On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Should we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one while you head to a dodgy after party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. So what you're telling me is it looks like bacon, it tastes like bacon, but it's not bacon. What? Yeah, so they call it bacon and it can help non-meat lovers who still want to experience the pleasure of eating bacon. World's gone mad. Bloody pointless. Oh, Oh, he slammed the door on us. Oh, I take it he's not vegan then? No, it doesn't seem like it, does he? He lives on chicken biryani and Pop-Tarts. I'm not sure what Pop-Tarts are made of, are you? No, there's none of your five a day in Pop-Tarts. No, raccoon skin, I think they're made out of. What is in a Pop-Tart? I have no idea. It's got to be like brains, mashed up bones, all sorts (laughs) of horrible things. How's your week, Vic? Because you've actually been away and done one of the challenges in retrospect haven't you i did because you enjoyed the no lights no like was so yes. much so i went and took my son on tuesday night and we had a lovely time thank you to the ladies there how was it it was great we just danced the night away and my son george kept doing the knee skid along the floor like a proper rock star which was really funny i liked being free and dancing in a room with people i sort of missed the connection of looking at people because i yeah. do enjoy sort of piss take dancing but mm-hmm. i think that's my own ego but for anyone who is giving up drinking and is going to a sober event mm. and is scared about dancing, it is an absolutely brilliant thing to do before the big event. Did you feel yourself letting go over the course of the hour or you naturally a sort of let go dancer anyway? Yes, I did feel myself letting go. It was really nice. And it was actually really nice just to go with my son. And we just had a really good laugh together. And actually, we got lost on the way home. It took us an hour to get home. It is a bit of a tricky place to get to. Yeah, it's also pitch. It's one of those places that's got no street no lights, lighting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was the sketch. So our eyes were all probably a bit fuzzy from being in the dark. And then the bloody Sunshine Coast motorway was closed. I had to oh. phone my husband and say, can you put me into the sat-nav? Because I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> It was brilliant, though. I had a brilliant time. Highly recommend it to anybody. Yes. How about you, Hamish? You had a good week? Yeah, I had a really 
uplifting conversation with my dad. Right. So, you know how you listen to a podcast or you watch a film and they go, usually American boys, they're like, go home and call your parents and say you love them. Mm. And you're always like, I should do that, but you never do that. I listened to a podcast where they talked about, it was a guy who um, always used to call his dad and his dad has since passed away, but he never calls his mum and he was beating himself up. He's like, why don't I call my mum? And for me, I always speak to my mum on the phone, but my dad's very deaf and I don't get to speak to him as much because it's difficult. So I thought, I'm going to call him. So I called him and had this long chat for an hour during which we ended up talking about this and sobriety. And I found out that my great grandpa on my dad's side was an alcoholic. Interesting. And he fell out with a family over it. My dad never met his own grandpa because of this. He cheated on his wife because of the boot. Well, because of the booze. Well, he cheated on his wife and he was an alcoholic. Those mm. things are probably separate. But yeah, I had no idea that there was any kind of alcoholism in my family. So that was interesting. And also, he said, hey, you make us sound really boring on the podcast. We're not that boring. The only reason we leave weddings when the dancing starts because I can't hear anything, which is fair. So I said, I'll make you sound cooler in future episodes. Yeah, okay. But he also, I thought he'd never been drunk. He's definitely never been drunk in front of me. And he revealed to me that he did used to get drunk in the army and he's thrown up from being too drunk. But he's one of the only people who I've ever met who said that genuinely the hangovers were so bad that he stopped getting drunk. Wow. I think yeah. most of us, the hangover's a bad luck. I'm never doing it again. And then you do it again straight away. It's funny how the body is sort of designed to forget pain. Yeah. And so the hangover's a perfect example of that. It's like, right, I feel terrible. I'm never drinking again. Then probably by about Thursday, it's like, ooh, yeah. oh, I've forgotten about that. Hangovers, hangovers and childbirth. Yeah. The two things that your brain wipes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still pretty traumatised. <laughs> you did it three times. What yeah. are you talking about? I'm still traumatised. Funny enough, you just reminded me about a story. My grandfather had signed the pledge, which, well, probably about 70 years ago now, he signed something that was to do with the Catholic Church. It was called the Temperance Movement. And it was a, a movement that you signed a pledge and you decided never to drink again. And I always knew that my grandfather had signed the pledge, mm. but not until I gave up drinking did I question why he'd done it. So perhaps I think my grandfather didn't like drinking either because other people around him did it or perhaps that he had a problem. I've never really asked my dad, but yeah. I must ask him the reasons why he signed a pledge to never drink again. And he never drank his whole life since he was about 25 and signed this piece of paper. So it's interesting, the history of that. There's some really interesting stuff online about the temperance movement. I highly recommend looking at it. It's very much like the sober curious movement now, but in the early 1900s. I like yeah. that of signing something. It's like yeah. signing your marriage certificate, signing yeah. your I'm no longer drinking again. I might get you to sign something. Yeah, I feel I've, got bra, I've got my bra. Are you going to sign that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's about the only thing I've ever had signed. <laughs> so you've heard about Faken. You've probably got strong opinions on decaf coffee. But today we are going to be talking about the alcohol-free industry. We will explore why it's exploding at the moment and why it works for some people in their sobriety, but not for others. I mean, that's exactly why, Hamish, I've actually avoided going over this topic in any Sober Awkward podcast ever mm. because I'm worried about the controversy of it. Some people like it, some people don't. And that's what we're going to try and put forward to you today. It's your decision mm. and we can't influence you and what's right and wrong in this situation. But that's the reason I've never covered it. I find it quite a controversial topic within the sober community. And I've tried all sorts over the last few years. So, you know, I've got both sides of the view. I've tried amazing mocktails and non 
non-alcoholic wine that also tastes like cat piss. I've been there. What was the name of that one? Because we need to get Alan the case of it for Christmas. Yeah, I think it was. No, no, don't say actually. They might want to sponsor us. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I won't mention that one. (laughs) Let's get on with the podcast. Yeah. Very few, or I would guess probably none of us, actually liked the taste of alcohol when we first tasted it. I can remember chewing my way through many a can of warm Fosters in my early years. It was more its effect and the fact that it was considered cool that first drew us in. Yeah, it was even the name of the beer that I thought was cool. I remember th- I thought drinking Red Stripe was cool because it, it was from Jamaica and I thought I just loved reggae. And, you know, so there's other connotations yeah. here. It's not just the drink. It's actually the look of the drink and the label and what label's cool at the time. There's so many interesting facets to this, mm-hmm. aren't there? So how can an AF drink industry that has all the taste without the buzz be going through such a boom? By the end of today's episode, we hope that you have a better understanding of the benefits and dangers of using alcohol-free drinks in your sobriety. For some, they're a useful tool to help keep you on the wagon, whereas for others, they can be the trigger that kickstarts a drinking habit all over again. Shall we kick this party off with some research? Woohoo! Wouldn't be a sober party without it. Pump up the research. <laughs> yeah, pump up the research. <laughs> <laughs> According to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, the number of Australians who ditched the drink between 2016 and 2019 increased by 400,000. Nearly half a million. That is mental. Isn't it? We also saw more people than ever reducing their alcohol consumption during this time, which led to the birth of one of our favourite labels, the Sober Curious. These numbers were driven in the most part by the amount of young adults choosing to no longer drink, which has doubled in the last 20 years. This has had an inevitable knock-on effect on the low- and non-alcoholic drinks industry, which has since become a multi-million dollar business that's forecast to grow by an additional 31% by 2024. To give you an idea of the numbers behind this, Nort, an Australian non-alcoholic drinks company, their sales increased by 1,100% in this year alone. (laughs) UK-based non-alcoholic spirits brand Liars has been valued at over £270 million, while Seedlip made history in 2019 by being the first non-alcoholic spirit to be acquired by Diageo, who also owns Smirnoff, Johnny Walker and Guinness. Basically, what we're saying is that we're in the wrong game, Vic. We should be brewing non-alcoholic drinks, not podcasting about them. Oh, I've got tea now, though, Hamish. You can get sober teas. It's not quite alcohol-free drinks. Is it worth £270 million? Pounds? It yeah. will be. Yeah. <laughs> cup of teas, early cup stage, of teas. Early doors. <laughs> Damn, you might be right, Hamish. I think we are probably in the wrong industry. But in short, drinking less or not at all has become cool and it has led to a boom in a totally new industry. So, Vic, when did you first come across non-alcoholic drinks? You know, Did you ever drink them during your drinking days? No. Why would I have done that? <laughs> I Why you might say that. would I have done that? <laughs> I mean, I see people now who have a non-alcoholic drink between the drink. Mm-hmm. I still don't even get that. I just don't understand why anyone would want to drink a non-alcoholic drink if you can still drink. Like That's I, adults that still listen to their mums. They yeah. go, drink, drink a glass of water after every beer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I suppose for me back in the day, I attempted so many things like that water between pints mm-hmm. or, you know, all of those different techniques that I thought would make me have less of a hangover. And I suppose... Now that this drinks industry is so prevalent, maybe I would be trying that now if I was attempting moderation. But as we all know in this sober realm is that moderation is a total myth and most people can't achieve it. Before you go on, that's yeah. actually reminded me. I used to have a mate who would have a a vase that would normally have flowers in it on his bedside table. And he was convinced <laughs> that if he filled up the whole vase with water yeah. and drank a vase full of water before going to bed, 
He would never get a hangover. It's funny, when we had William Porter on the podcast, that is one question we asked him was, what about the water? Does that help? He said, no, the water is a total fallacy and your body has to process the alcohol. And that's what causes a hangover. So it's a total waste of time. I used to do stuff like eat salmon on the Friday so that I didn't get a hangover on Saturday. It was like old wives' tales that I was looking up online. Or Barocca. I was doing anything to try and not get a hangover. But of course, the only thing I discovered in the end was to not drink. That's the key. That's the secret. That is the secret. (laughs) That is the cure to all hangovers, actually. (laughs) Yeah. So I never ordered them. I couldn't see the point in it. I literally probably gasped in horror if people ordered alcohol-free drinks if they were within my vicinity. You know, we talked last week about me being the beer bully. That's exactly what I was. If somebody ordered a drink like that, I was like, oh, you're not in my gang sort of behaviour. There were no half measures with me, Hamish. No low ethanol here, mate. (laughs) I thought people that drank them were losers. What's the point? I had no understanding of people that didn't drink alcohol and I never wasted my breath talking to people. That's how (laughs) against them I was. And I never tried one. I just couldn't see the point in it. I just wanted to drink until I fell over, not sip at a pretend drink is what I used to call them. You're so lucky you've never had to hang out with you from back then. Yeah, I'd hate... You would hate each other. The old you would hate you now and the new you would hate them. I would no. I'd be drinking if I was hanging out with the old me. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, she's a good laugh. I'm getting out of there again. <laughs> the closest I ever got to low alcoholic was a lager top or a hangover cure glass of shandy. That was me going yeah. alcohol free. Yeah, was, shandy was half shandy, yeah. half lemonade. Yeah, that was the, that was the nearest. Or a pint of milk at McDonald's with a hangover. A pint of milk I used at to McDonald's. Like, oh, right, I don't know what it is. I'm going to have to look it up. I used to go to McDonald's when I was really hungover with a pint glass, and you know those little car. <laughs> They used to. I used to whack two cartons in, down not the, that. Not the tiny cartons that are like the size of a no, not contact those. lens. No, like school size. You know, okay, yeah. those half liters. McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, they had them at McDonald's. Milk. And for some reason, when I was hungover, I used to really crave milk. From McDonald's. From McDonald's or any milk. You'd but... bring your own. Hang on a minute. How have we never spoken know. about this? You'd bring your own pint glass to McDonald's and fill up on milk. <laughs> I've never even thought of it as being weird, but until now. <laughs> Yeah, I used to be really hungover. I wanted to eat a burger. So I'd take my pint glass with me because I was going to go and I knew I didn't have any fresh milk in the fridge. So I'd go and get fresh milk, down it with a big, I'd just have like a big white moustache and then eat my burger and then go home. I'm try- oh, okay, you did have a burger. I was thinking, what kind of looks would you get if you walk into McDonald's and there's someone by themselves with a pint of milk? No burger, no yeah. fries, just but their own glass. And I didn't have milk. many boyfriends in those no, days. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> How about you? Did you drink a lot of them? So I never actively chose to have like a non-alcoholic drinks night out when I was drinking. Because kind of because I was irritated by the cost of them. When you walk into a pub and a non-alcoholic drink is the same as an alcoholic drink, I just didn't like it on principle. But I was always kind of fascinating by the industry. So um, before moving out here, I actually had like a job to work for Seedlip. I was I only moved to Australia for three weeks and I was going to go back to England for this job at Seedlip, which is a non-alcoholic spirit. But I ended up staying here, so I gave up the job. And I did end up doing a bit of work for Seedlip here in Sydney when I moved there. Oh, yeah. So I worked in that industry and I liked it a lot. And then I then worked for a kombucha company, which is not a non-alcoholic drink, but, you know, a lot of sober people drink a hell of yeah. a lot of kombucha. So I guess I've always been kind of fascinated by the non-alcoholic drinks industry and particularly by like how much better it's got. Whenever I used to have a night out and not drink, whenever I didn't drink for whatever reason before, I would drink, particularly when I was living in Paris, 
a lot of orangina yep. and a lot of ginger beer. Oh, I love orangina. Well, yeah, plus they're so full of sugar. I was like last yeah. man standing at every party because I'm fired up on orangina. There's that French drink called piss shit as well, isn't there? Have you had that? Not sure. It's like no. Fanta, but it's called piss shit. We used to like that on holiday in France. Wow. It was funny in our family to yeah. go, can I have a glass of piss shit, please? <laughs> um, I think it was... Pssht. Yeah, I'm yeah. guessing it wasn't piss shit. <laughs> But I think a lot of these non-alcoholic drinks companies are clever in that a lot of them have got like really fascinating backstories. And that was what got me in. I would be totally hooked by like the story behind the craftsmanship of it and how they were discovered and the like any good business has got like a good founder story, right? So I was always interested in those. And I guess what I've enjoyed seeing particularly recently and now that I don't drink is just how far the industry has come. Because like back in the day, if you do want to drink, it's either a juice or a soft drink or really shit non-alcoholic beer yeah and there is genuinely really good non-alcoholic beer and cider and wine not so much i I haven't tried but champagne there are actually good alternatives now yeah and that is exciting for anyone that's wanting to drink less because that was so much harder years ago yeah and i guess providing an alternative is always going to be a positive thing if you're confident in your sobriety. Yes, we will get into that. Yeah. Whether or not you paid the non-alcoholic drink industry any attention at all during your drinking days, it might be worth taking a look at the benefits and risks as you consider going sober. Okay, Vic. Let's start with the benefits. So, non-alcoholic drinks can help you feel like you're not missing out on a night out. Our sober mocktail night, for example, we were buzzing. We we didn't stand out like a sore thumb in the the pub. We actually had, we actually stood out like a sore thumb because we looked like alcoholics. We did look like alcoholics. We were both carrying like four cocktails each as we entered the bar. Um, So we looked like nusses, but it's a perfect way to blend in to a drinking environment. Totally. You can use them as a placebo. If you're in the headspace of a beer or wine at the end of the week helps me relax, then try it with a non-alcoholic drink. You might be surprised. I look forward now, Hamish, to a non-alcoholic beer if I go out to the pub, for example. I'm kind of disappointed if they don't have them because I'm so far along with my sobriety. I look forward to it like I used to look forward to a beer. And something else we talked about with William Porter was that excitement you feel before Mm. going out and how do you replace that and it's actually when you go out and you're looking forward to a drink when you have that first sip when you were a drinker you sort of feel that sense of relief and relaxing straight away but of course the alcohol hasn't hit your bloodstream for 20 minutes Mm. so that feeling is psychological yeah Yeah, it's a psychological thing that's going on in your brain that's making you think that you're relaxed so you can have that same feeling with an alcohol-free beer which was really surprising i've got that now as well so i've got a few non-alcoholic beers in my fridge but not many and i I, over the course of the week i'm like friday night i'm gonna have one i really look forward to it yeah and it's funny how fewer of them you drink yes back in the day if i had like six beers in the fridge i'd be like i probably need to buy a few more beers yeah whereas now i've got three and i'm like that's probably three fridays worth you know i don't really feel like I need to drink a second and third and fourth one. One pretty much does it for me now with non-alcoholic beers. It does make me wonder how the alcohol-free drinks industry makes money because I guess the alcohol industry relies upon people wanting more and more because it is an addictive substance. Whereas I know for me, I'm happy to have one alcohol-free beer. I don't want anything else because it just satisfies that need of me feeling more sociable or more more outgoing or more accepted in the crowd. I think what we're saying is that for every one of us, there might be like a 
binge drinking, alcohol free drinker out there who's just smashing twenty eight non alcoholic yeah. beers on a night out and yeah. keeps them afloat. And I guess someone that was drinking twenty beers and is now drinking twenty alcohol free beers, it's a step in the right direction, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a small I mean, step. Yeah. It's a small step. They're often better for you and more interesting than the alternatives, soft drinks or fizzy water. I mean, I get bored of having fizzy water. I did it for my first 18 months of sobriety Mm -hmm. and then I allowed myself to go out there and try a few more drinks and a few more mocktails. I had a lighty mocktail at a restaurant in Noosa the other week. It made me so happy (laughs) just because it was so yummy and they'd put so much effort into it. They'd had those dried oranges in it with a lighty on a stick floating on the surface with a flower. Things like that make me happy now. I'm easily pleased. I think that rolls into my last point, which is that they still feel like a treat. Yes. Drinking a fizzy water does not feel like a treat, but having someone make you a mocktail or hand you a nice ice cold glass with a non-alcoholic beer in it still feels kind of special and exciting. It does, yeah. And people that are going alcohol-free deserve to feel like they're having a treat as well. Yes, but it is important to emphasise the fact that these do not work for everyone. And for some, it can feel like playing with fire. You know the saying, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Yes. The same could apply for not drinking alcohol-free beer if you have a problem with beer, for example. Makes sense. They can act as a trigger. And if you identify that this could be an issue for you, you might be better off avoiding alcohol-free drinks altogether, at least for the start of your sobriety. Anyone that has given up booze in order to save money might be shocked by the cost of a lot of alcohol-free drinks. They often aren't far off the cost of the alcohol-full equivalents. Yeah, that, it's always a difficult dollar to spend when you look at the at the list and the alcohol-free drinks are always on the back, they're never in the right spot, yeah. and they are the same price as the alcohol ones. You're like, ah. It's because the process is the same, isn't it? Well, that's it? it. So a lot of them, from what I've learned, are brewed in exactly the same way as you would brew a gin or a beer or whatever it is, but then they have to do this additional step to remove the alcohol. So actually, some of them are more costly than, than making the alcohol equivalent. So yeah, it's it's, it sucks, though. It does suck spending a lot of money on an alcohol-free drink. Yes, because I guess you didn't mind when you were a drinker because at least you got a buzz. Yeah. Or we say a buzz, but then, of course, we drifted into a blackout and we're vomiting on ourselves and doing all sorts of awful mm. things. But it's that short-term buzz that we're after, and, of course, you don't get that with an alcohol-free drink. But actually, I must say I do now. I get a buzz because I feel like I'm part of something again. I don't like the idea of representing the culture that I'm trying to avoid, but at the same time, I do see the benefits and the downfalls. And I actually feel guilty now posting a photograph of me or you drinking a non-alcoholic drink because they look the same, so I'm scared it's going to be a trigger for anyone watching. Or people think, ah, they're cheating, that's a beer. You go, no, 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 there's no alcohol in that one. So yeah, I, I can see the conflict with it. It's so specific to each individual person. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Let's now discuss the role that alcohol-free drinks have played in our own sobriety, Vic. 
Well, for exactly what you were talking about, Hamish, for the first two years when I was writing my blog and when I was starting to post on Facebook, I made a promise to myself that I would never post a picture of me holding an alcohol-free drink because I didn't want to re-represent that culture. I was saying, look, this culture is toxic. We don't want alcohol in our lives. This is bad for you, blah, blah, blah. And I thought it was kind of against the grain for me to then be there with an alcohol-free drink going, hey, but this is okay and I'm advertising this because they've sent me a freebie. But now that I've started drinking them a bit later on in my sobriety, I do do that occasionally just because I do think they are beneficial for some people. Mm -hmm. Some people use it as a replacement which stops them drinking. I can't say that that's a bad thing. Allowing people to have something else is great if they use it in the right way, of course. And everything I talk about now is against the normalisation of booze. So I didn't want to be the one on Insta being like that. But, you know, if you send me a freebie, I'll do a picture of it. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, what we're saying is please send freebies. (laughs) This is a call for help. We don't mind a freebie, do we, Amos? (laughs) Yeah, so it's a difficult one, really. As I said earlier, it's like a really controversial topic on this scene because some people are really radical about it. It's really like, we don't drink, we don't advertise alcohol-free drinks, we don't want this as part of our sober, curious community. But then there's a whole other side. It really is 50-50. Maybe the more side that are more extreme alcoholics don't want anything that's going to trigger them, so therefore they avoid it completely, which I, of course, totally understand. But whenever I post now, if I do post about alcohol-free drinks I always put a little star and a note at the end to say if it triggers you it's a no-go I always make sure I add a note onto it because it isn't for everyone when I realized I was confident in my sobriety I did start to hanker for something else other than a fizzy water so I started slowly I might have a sprig of mint in it and then a bit of lime and then I was like oh I could try one of these a can of you know there was these liars ones that came out which were like these little cans of Italian spritz I really enjoyed those with some ice when people coming for a barbecue people didn't question what I was drinking because it looked kind of snazzy Mm. so I felt like I was kind of accepted and and no one was going to give me a hard time which was great it was better than standing holding a glass of pop or orange squash Mm. it just felt better So I began testing the water two years in very carefully. I say that as a pun, but I was testing the fizzy water very cautiously. And now I'm okay with having an alcohol-free beer. It's all right with me. If I have the odd mocktail when I'm out and socially, I'm okay with alcohol-free drinks now. I still down them, Hamish. What? Yeah, I down them like I would have done a beer. If you pass me an alcohol-free drink, this is an issue probably, shows my addictive behaviour, highlights it. If you pour me an alcohol-free drink, I throw it down my neck within 10 seconds. The whole thing. Why? I don't know. Just how I drink. Is it because they're 0.00001% alcohol, you think? If I neck it, a little bit of a tingle. It's just my habit. It's just the way I drink. It's just the way I've grown up drinking is to get it down your neck so you can get the next one in. And it's just a habit that I can't break. I'm the same with mocktails. One slurp, gone. You know what I got reminded of this week? I was so bad at downing beers and I was such a lightweight. My nickname was Half Pint Hame. Oh, yeah. It's not a cool nickname. It's not good. No. Well, I think it's cool now, half pint hay. Thank you. At least you were a cheap date. Half an alcoholic free beer pint <laughs> hay. Yeah, not, doesn't quite have the same ring <laughs> no. to it, does it? I do think they have their place in this industry as long as people use them wisely and with thought as a replacement or a prop. I also think it's great for young people, for those wanting to fit in socially, for those wanting to have a break between their drinks so they don't get as drunk, especially for teenagers and things like that. I think it's probably a great alternative for them. And I think promoting any sort of healthier choice socially is a good thing. If people aren't drinking as much, well, yay. 
basically. I just wanted to tell a quick story and so that those listening could heed my warning. I was out with five other sober women down in Brisbane one night and we were sat at a restaurant and ordered the alcohol-free Peronis and the waiter gave us the wrong one. And it was only after I was with Lucy and it was only Mm -hmm. after a couple of sips that she realised that it was a full-strength beer and they're just messed up. There's Allegra and a Libra. Libra is alcohol-free. Allegra is light. So it still has alcohol in it. So it's very, very easy to get that confused. And the waiter had done so. It wasn't his fault. It was an easy mistake to make. I just wanted to say to the listeners, check your labels because you have given up drinking. I mean, it wouldn't matter probably if you accidentally took a swig. I've done that with my husband's beer mm-hmm, before. Mm-hmm. I thought he had an alcohol-free beer. You don't have to put the numbers on your counters back and all that kind yeah, of business. Yeah. You can still be on whatever day of sobriety you choose to be. But just be aware of those labels and make sure it's okay. And for some people, that 0.5, they get scared of drinking those because the 0.5 is showing a tiny bit of alcohol. But that's actually the same as a banana. So all fruit and I think some other vegetables have a certain amount of alcohol in them naturally. So I still drink the 0.5s, which is not for everyone, but it is the same as a banana. So it makes it a little bit more approachable. I had a near miss this week as well. I've got a few alcoholic beers in my fridge still. If anyone wants to come over to mine, I can say, here's a normal one for you and a non-alcoholic one for me and I opened one and I poured it and then I went to take a sip and just before I sipped it I saw the can I was like oh bollocks that's the alcohol one Yeah. and I had my wife there and my mother-in-law there I said oh one of you guys can drink this because they were drinking um, wine I said one of you guys can drink this and I'll have my non-alcoholic beer one and neither of them wanted it and I really struggled to throw it away mainly because of the waste I discovered I hate waste as much as I don't want to drink anymore if that makes sense like, <laughs> oh it's it, like a level playing like part field. of me wanted to drink it yeah. not because I was dying for a beer but because I, it was such a waste yeah. and I had to like, they didn't drink it so I had to pour it down the drain and then pour the rest of the can down the drain and that was hard to do like, it took me a long yeah. time I did all the washing up like they went off to the TV room and then eventually like the last thing I did was pour it down the drain would you have been the same if it was a can of Fanta that you'd poured down the drain yes you I would have just been just waste. Like, the idea of opening it and then pouring the whole thing away, it didn't sit well with me. It wasn't off. That's funny. Yeah. So it was a weird thing to realise about yeah. yourself. But for me, with non-alcoholic drinks, I've not drunk a, as much of them as I thought I was going to. I sort of joked that I would be keeping the non-alcoholic beer industry in business on yeah. the Sunshine Coast the day that I, that I gave up. But I've been surprised, really. You know, if mm. I go to a restaurant, I would have one. If I went to a pub, I might have one. I've not been to many pubs recently. And I would have one a week or a fortnight at home. That's like more than enough for me. But I think where I'll really use them is when I go back for all of these social events, these weddings, and then that is how I'm going to be invisible and not get asked difficult questions yeah. and blend in. That is, the think, the trick that I hope to use alcohol-free drinks for. That's yeah. my plan. And I suppose for some people... If you are a heavy drinker or you're a problem drinker, replacing it with something else might not be a great idea because Mm. it's going to lead you to think about alcohol and it's going to trick your mind into thinking that, oh, if this is okay, well, that might be okay Mm. too, which is really shaky ground. So I think generally on this podcast, we would say if you are giving up drinking and you are a problem drinker, we talk about Hamish because he's really not a problem drinker. He's more Mm. of a very normal drinker. So he might feel like it's an easy transition 
transition for him. But somebody like me who was a problem drinker or like Lucy who was a stay-at-home drinker, I would say really tread with caution on here. We can't emphasise that enough, that this could be shaky ground for those people. If it tastes like beer, it's going to trigger you to remember a beer and think, oh, I'd actually I'd much prefer one of the ones that's going to give me a bit of a buzz. Mm. But you've got to remember your why there. You've got to play the tape forward and remember where that buzz takes you. And it is to the toilet or to falling down and knocking your head and making a tear out of yourself and all those other things. So really tread carefully here, people. So what we're saying is it's really important that you fully understand just where you are in your sobriety. So if you're still drinking alcohol but are considering giving up, Try an alcohol-free night out and just see if it helps you transition slowly into becoming sober. Yeah, that's a good idea. If you're newly sober, possibly you've joined Hames Give Up Club on Copper, but haven't tried an AF drink because you're worried about them, trust your instincts. If you're thinking it makes you anxious, there are plenty of other ways and other drinks that can help you live a happy and sober life. I've got a little story I want to put in here. Yeah, and it's great. not I actually can't even remember which of my friends it was, but I had a friend who didn't drink, but he still liked going to pubs. So whenever he came to a pub with us, he would get the food menu and he would order a dessert at every pub. So we did a pub crawl, he would eat like four brownies or creme brulees <laughs> or whatever it Brilliant. was and that was his treat you know it was cheaper than a pint yeah. and it gave him massive joy and probably a great sugar rush yeah um, so that was his way of dealing with it without having to dip into the alcohol free drinks game I, can't, I think almost having four brownies or having like a pudding in every pub I mean it sounds like wonderful mm. but I also think it would probably make me as sick as you know a couple of shots would do after the end of the yes. night yes I mean how, how long did he stay out for with the desserts in, I don't know I don't know the short answer to that he yeah. I, I actually have now remembered who it was, and he did eat a lot of flan. We're in France. He ate a lot of flan. He's pretty healthy. Quiche Lorraine. No, no, Quiche Lorraine. A <laughs> lot of flan, a lot of baguette, a lot of creme brulee. But yeah, he's fairly healthy. Right, he's just a big eater. Yeah. We cover the hard questions in this podcast. Is there more calories in a flan or a Guinness? Oh, yeah, I reckon more calories in a Guinness, probably. We're getting found out. You should do the science check before yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we haven't Actually done enough science. Our feet, we yeah. haven't got our encyclopedias <laughs> out, have we? Bollocks, we've been found out. We're not real scientists. No, oh, well. And for those of you who are sober and do enjoy drinking alcohol-free drinks, well, good on you. There's not much yeah, well, good on you, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, you, if that's what you want to do and that helps you stay sober, then that's okay. So we've established that more of us than ever are turning our backs on alcohol and the non-alcoholic industry is thriving as a result. Whether or not they are best suited for you is up to you to decide. There is always plenty of support and advice on the Cuppa community from our members who have tried them and succeeded or tried and failed. There's always people posting on there, isn't there, Hamish? Yes. You don't need to be the guinea pig. Reach out on Cuppa and ask someone what their experience was like before trying it yourself. I just wanted to add there, Hamish, before we go on. Mm. Cuppa is the community that we have created for the sober or Awkward listeners. Yes. So if you go on there, it's for anyone that has ever considered giving up drinking. It's for the people that have woken up with a hangover and thought, I don't want to do this anymore. So you don't actually have to be sober to join Cuppa. That's important to say. I remember feeling a bit nervous to join it before I was sober because I thought, oh no, this is not my tribe. I'm going to be like a baddie. Yeah. And it's really for anyone, whatever on that spectrum you fall. Yeah. Even if you still drink, that's totally fine. You can yeah. still be on it. You'll meet people that are completely sober, people that are trying to go sober, people are only just thinking about it, people that have relapsed, whatever. Ever, 
everyone is is happy to be on it. Yeah, everybody's welcome. And it's a really safe place to talk about alcohol, whether it's a family member that has a problem, whether it's you or one of your friends. It's a place where you can come on and ask the questions that you feel in your heart you're ready to. And you'll get loads of responses. There's loads of resources on there for sober people. It's just It's a hub for everything that you would need if you are considering going sober. So just go to cuppa.community and my new teas are on there, which are cuppa teas, teas for sober people. You can get them at cuppashop.com. Cuppa teas, teas. Cuppa tea, tea. Uh, So I asked the cuppa community about their experiences with alcohol-free drinks and I sort of expected to get a 50-50 response of some people said it's great for them and some people said it was awful for them. Actually, it was majority positive. Great. um, Which was good to to read. But yeah, I guess the the first comment I got was less positive. This is actually from Jill. She said that she has conflicting views on alcohol-free drinks. She says it seems silly to drink something that looks like an alcoholic drink if you are abstaining from alcohol. Doesn't that defeat the purpose? And if the AF drink is full of sugar, it's not so good for you either. She goes, she sounds like a party pooper. She's been alcohol-free for two 262 days and I certainly have had plenty of zero beers and mocktails but I'm just conflicted. I I feel the same. I'm still conflicted, yeah. Even though I drink them, I still feel slightly conflicted because it feels kind of against everything that I do. But at the end of the day, they don't have alcohol in them. Yeah. So that's the point, isn't it? I'm drinking something that doesn't have alcohol in it, so that's kind of okay. A friend of mine posted on Facebook yesterday, there's this thing in England called alcoholic water. It's like fizzy water with alcohol in it that everybody's drinking mm. in England at the moment for me I was like oh god you can't don't take my water away as well <laughs> crazy we, we had some more positive responses as well Monique said it's definitely helping her so far she started drinking at 16 uh, you know she's drunk at nearly every social event and just to be able to have a drink in her hand that's alcohol free has helped her to fit in at parties Re said that Guinness 0.0% has been so good I didn't know Guinness had not alcoholic no. Guinness is my favourite uh, that was the thing that I was aware that I was going to miss the most giving up. Guinness. So I'm excited to try a non-alcoholic Guinness. That, yeah. That's awesome. Amanda, she said she's she'd been sober for five years and never got into alcohol-free drinks. So you, know, you can do it without alcohol-free drinks. More than enough people have done that. So yeah, lots of responses, both mainly positive. The nice thing about Cuppa that I found is whatever your experience and whatever your feedback it's such a supportive community. Like everyone's so forgiving and understanding yeah. and leans in with their own experiences and their own wisdom. And just It's a really lovely place to um, to try and figure out where you fit in this sober world. Yeah, and actually you realise by being on there that everybody fits in somewhere into this mm. and everybody in the whole world has at some point questioned whether they should be drinking or not and that's what makes it such a safe and friendly environment and we do this amazing thing on Fridays which is like the Friday member blog where people come and share their stories and they're what really resonate with people because it makes you understand that you don't need to have shame about being an over drinker or a normal drinker or a problem drinker all of these labels all that matters is, is that you're trying to do something to change and that's what we talked about on this podcast and the last one is that it's up to you the changes that you make and the choices that you make and whatever it is, if it's healthier and better, then we're going to be accepting of it. Yes. We usually end these episodes with a quote. I, oh, quite, yeah. I had quite a lot of fun doing the research on this. So tell us about the memes. Oh, yeah. Memes and the internet have not quite caught up with the benefits of non-alcoholic drinks, although a few of them are quite funny and worth retelling. This one made me laugh. Non-alcoholic beer is like a vibrator without batteries. It fills you up but lacks the buzz. <laughs> 
basically, that's exactly what we were saying. Yeah. Um, my other favourite one, which I haven't figured out if it's necessarily a pro or anti-booze quote, is the one I'd like to finish this episode with. So it's this. When I drink alcohol, everyone says I'm an alcoholic. But when I drink Fanta, no one says I'm fantastic. You are fantastic, Thank Hamish. You, you are Fantastic. With or without the Fanta, we, we, we think each other are fantastic. Only because we've done breath work and had a big hug today. We're like <laughs> yeah. bonding We're today. Feeling yeah. the love. We're bonding. So, oh, it's challenge day, it Hamish. It is challenge day. Yay. I'm nervous. Yeah, don't be nervous. It's a good one. Okay. Yeah. They're all good ones. They're all pretty good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're pretty good at getting yourself out there and proving to everybody that sobriety is cool. This week, I'm going to send you to a sound healing session. Oh. We've done our breath work. We've done the dancing in the dark. We've done the free hugs. Yes. Now you're going to go and set your mind free in a sound healing what session. What does this involve? I think it involves you like as a bit of Reiki, a bit of lying down on the mat and being at one with yourself, mm. handing yourself over to the spirit goddess, probably. Beautiful. Maybe a bit of womb action. Yeah. Yes, that, I've been <laughs> missing out sex. on that. I've been missing out on womb action. Yeah. My womb has gone untouched for too long. When you have a new baby, you do tend to miss out on a bit of womb action. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get it into it. I don't want to get in trouble. I know. But yeah, so you're going to be sent off to a beautiful, peaceful, meditative state where you will meet your own ego. Yes, there's a lot of that going on in sobriety, meeting yourself. That is what it's all about, that Hamish. Yeah. Meeting my womb. Yeah. <laughs> What a challenge. <laughs> as long as you don't meet my womb, I think we're all right. I think my womb might have fallen out of my fanny already. <laughs> that's something to look forward to, Hamish, as oh, women get older. That's what happens right. to us. Our wombs fall out of our fannies. What a way to end the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Fix got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? I don't know. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving... At your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.